After a short break off, we are back with another episode of We Speak Commons. Today we're talking about the Unearthed Arcana for Greyhawk Initiative, an interesting spin on initiative order that you can put in your game for some set-piece battles. Welcome to We Speak Common. Joe, say your name and what you had for breakfast. Uh, funny enough, my name's Joe, and I had a curry for breakfast. You had curry for breakfast? I did, I had a microwave curry. I was in a rush, Ben, right? That's disgusting. And it was all that was in. It was lovely, actually. I had a couple of naan breads. It was... Oh, what curry was it? Jalfrezi. It was nice. Okay. I might leave that in. <laughs> I think we should. Are we going? I guess it? so. I was testing the levels, but I guess this is it. Hello! Hi there. Uh, right, it's been a while. And by a while, I mean for us, it's been a month. For the listeners, it's been a week. I know. My excitement is palpable. Or two weeks. Might have been two weeks. I don't know. We had a week off, which means it's been two weeks since they've had me. I don't really know where or who I am anymore, what time of the day it is, or what me week neither. we're on. How are you? How have things been in the last um, time frame? Good, mate. Good. Yeah? Fuck my back, but... Um, and we're explicit. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while we hadn't done this no, in a while Ben I, I've true. failed to censor myself in the past and this one's on me I, I will take it okay alright okay but, but yes. you, you fucked your back up I did yeah but other than that uh, I've been good in terms of D&D mate there's been some exciting developments has there uh, well there's been the UA we're going to talk about yeah I've been writing some stuff for the Yell campaign I ran good. a session for that for the first time in ages yeah we'll talk about that in a minute we had a bit of a well, we had a, bit, a very big battle. It was like a three, four hour battle, and on some time there was yeah. environmental dangers, mm-hmm. which I think went down quite well. That was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I uh, um, yeah. Anything else? I don't. Uh, I don't think so, Ben. Okay. I uh, I had a nice time away. That's mm. why we didn't record last week. Um, for my birthday, we got together. We had a nice little birthday sesh. We did actually. Of D&D, that was very good. Um, nice long session. It's the first time I've actually played like properly high level characters. Yeah. Like for an extended period of time. Because it's yeah. been like what, like four, four three, sessions? Four yeah. sessions, something like that now. Yeah. We started at like 16. And Side now note. We're, now we're 19. Phoebe said to me that she loves, so our characters are Rung and Uguay. Mm-hmm. And she said to me that she, she loves the the combination of Rung and Uguay. Mm-hmm. Um I think that the characters meld off each other very, very well. I think we had some very good role play in that session. <laughs> I, do, yeah. I think at one point you grabbed my head and like put your forehead to mine. It, we, uh, the, the game bled into real life. It did. It really it, did. And that's how you know it's a good game. But it, she said, uh, she said, oh, you should, um, you should do a section on the podcast where you just, you just be Rung and Uguay and talk to each other. <laughs> and I was like, that's not. I don't think anyone but you is going to benefit I don't, from I don't, that. I, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what Rung and Uguay would talk about. They're, uh, they're an eclectic bunch. They are. I would say. No. Um, yeah, but that was that was a fun session. That was our, very good. Our friend James coming to his own with his uh, DM style. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then we played your game and I did nothing but heal people and it didn't feel very rewarding. <laughs> now, I, fa- I found that I don't want to be a healer. I understood that, but 
I was I was thinking about this and I was doing some calculations and the party would have died had you not healed. You used that, what was that, that spell Healing called? Spirit from Xanathar's Guide. Healing Spirit, where the spirit basically just runs through people and people run through it and they, yeah, get, so and basically, they get health. Yeah, so you, you cast Healing Spirit, it's concentration for a minute, so you get 10, ten rounds, 10 turns, um, and as a bonus action you can make it move 30 feet and if you start in its square or if it runs through your square, you get um, 1d6 plus my spell save of healing. And the thing is, to set this up for people, they were on I a, think it's spell the save. guys were on like a big Viking long ship. It was like a 140 feet long and it was steadily going deeper and deeper into this big whirlpool in this like mm-hmm. maelstrom storm. They were getting attacked by uh, the wraiths and uh, Some fla- flaming, flaming, skulls. flaming skulls and stuff like that. And it was all kicking off and I'd kind of come up with these different effects every turn mm. that the um, the ship got deeper into the whirlpool, more effects would happen. So it started off with like difficult terrain, and then you had to make saves every time you wanted to move. Yeah, and then it was like if you were moving down the ship, you had to make a save. If Not you were moving fall. up, you're okay. You ha- you had to climb, and then it got to the point where it was basically like vertical, vertical and you were standing <laughs> on, on like the side rails of the ship, yeah. and there was a, a while. But obviously the wraiths were like were kind of okay. They didn't really need to make saves, so it made it pretty difficult for the party and. The party members went down a lot. One party member would get go down. You would heal him. He would attack, and then he would go down again. That happened yeah. like six times. Yeah. So he would have been long dead if it was not for you. Um, Me and my little almanage friend. Yeah. There, so there were quite a few clutch. There were some really good counter spells in that as well. Uh, there was a, an epic because the thing is with flaming skulls, the law is. I guess I'll just spoil this. This in the monster manual anyway. But they're like yeah. they they're basically like. They're dead wizards, right? Mm. Who have sort of like they sort of tried to become liches, become but, not, liches but, but not, but not really. Like, but they know. But so they're they're wizards, and there's one wizard in the party who they latched onto and really, really wanted to kill. Yeah. Um, uh, for reasons I won't go into. So and our party wizard knew knew they were a wizard because they could cast mage hand and stuff, mm. and so they were having this epic battle of. Uh, it was the epitome, like it was an epic wizard yeah. sp- duel. It was, it was, really and it cool. worked so perfectly because they would cast like a fireball, then she would counter spell, then she would cast like um, magic missile, and they'd cast shield, which blocks yeah. magic missile. And then, like they were trying, I was without trying to cheat. I was trying to calculate in my head how many spell slots like she had left. Yeah, and I was like, okay, she's definitely out of first level spell slot, so I'll cast magic missile. No, she's still got a shield. Yeah. so it was like this back and forth. This <laughs> it was big so battle. good. It, it went on for ages. That was really cool. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, we managed to get the boat to not go into the whirlpool. Uh-huh. What would have happened if it went into the whirlpool? Okay. So, I well, first of all, I had rules if you fell off. Yeah. I guess you uh, would. It would have been very bad. Yeah. Uh, chances. Of, I did nearly fall off at one point. Chances of survival would have been slim, but something... I was almost hoping one would fall off, though, because I had this a very interesting thing that would have happened in mm. the water. Mm. There was lots of lots of mystical shit going on, basically. Yeah. Um, now, if you it kept going in and in. If you'd beaten the wraiths, uh, the the guy who was piloting the ship would have pulled it out of the world pool. Mm-hmm. If you ha- if you, the fight had gone on a few more rounds, you would have bottomed out of the world pool and there would have been a chance of like capsizing and it wouldn't have just been, oh, the ship capsizes, you go into the water and die. Mm. Something Else. otherworldly mm. would have happened, let's put yeah. it that way. But 
another clutch play actually one of the players managed to use because you were vertical yeah. the rudder was now essentially going left and right it was going up and down mm. so you managed to levitate the rudder in the opposite direction to pilot the ship out and also um the ship's sort of commanded by this, this special language that mm. one of the characters is be- one of the PCs, the wizard, is beginning to get a grip with, and she managed to come up with a phrase which um, then summoned oars from the ship, which gave it a bit of extra speed boost and stuff to yeah. to start reducing its uh, severity. So- I did. Uh, I did think that if only I had been one level higher in druid, I could have just turned into a creature that could swim. That would have been very interesting. But I, I, was, I was literally one level and I would have been able to do it. And um, it's a shame because I'd love to redo that encounter with that ability just to see how it changes it up. Well, this but. is this is like the natural evolution of me like putting more... like We've spoken about this in the past, but putting like more environmental factors into my... Uh, yeah, originally, encounters. that was just going to be a fight on the ship. And I was like, oh, Whirlpool. Like, oh, oh Whirlpool, <laughs> let's make it deadly. And then all of this stuff, like it just got more and more insane to the point... Like, I quite like that. I think that one and the uh, Avalanche one was probably my best encounters thus far mm. that I've done. It was quite fun. And they always end in some clutch moment. For some, uh, the party's yeah. quite consistently good at uh, like leaving, pulling, it, leaving, pulling out right at the last <laughs> yeah, minute. leaving things yeah. to the very last moment. So that was... And uh, that's, that's interesting, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. Uh, okay, well, that kind of leads on quite well to our topic because we're talking about how we can make encounters more interesting um and obviously in the in the world of D, there has recently been uh, an unearthed arcana about the artificer and every is that how you say it artificer i think it's artificer um, Artif- i don't know artificer well look that's out there and a lot of people are talking about it and we are going to talk about it but everyone's talking about it at the moment so we're going to talk about that next week mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna let people have their moment and then we're gonna crawling and like we've copied them afterwards uh, but we haven't so we're going to talk today about an unearthed arcana that came out uh oh i had it open it i can't remember when it came out it was a while ago a long time a long time ago. it was like last year like start last year and it is the greyhawk initiative now i really like this and i have used it in uh the campaign that you play in specifically for you in a one-to-one duel so the greyhawk initiative basically uh is built to make your combat completely different Uh, it it changes the roll initiative sort of trope that we all know instead of rolling a die and having an order and sticking to that order each round every time a character has a turn they re-roll their initiative um this is and it was for me at first a bit confusing but once you get your head around it it opens some really interesting stuff so instead of rolling your d20 adding your dexterity and and that's it you're in you roll dice dependent on the actions you want to take um so for example if on your turn joe you wanted to make a ranged attack you wanted to move and cast a spell you could you'd have to roll a d4 a d6 and a d10 you get all those numbers you add them together and that makes your initiative so let's say you roll a a 12 you roll quite well so the gist is you can sort of mess with the action economy of the game a little bit yeah but it it costs you the more you want to do in terms of time so say you've 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 said i want to make a ranged attack i want to move and then i want to cast a spell i throw my dagger i want to run and i want to cast fireball as i do it cool you got a 12 but the enemy you're fighting is only going to move and make a ranged attack so they only roll a d6 and a d4 so immediately they've got a six say 
they go for uh, they go first you go second mm-hmm. so it's the smaller number is better than yep. the bigger number so it swaps it on its head and the real f- the the really interesting thing is that every single time you take a turn you don't know who's going to go next you don't know um like if if you're going to be able to get everything you want done before that pivotal moment in the battle where the big evil guy does something that you need to stop him from doing it also adds that sort of extra thing of oh a party member's gone down and normally with the traditional initiative order you'd go right well you know uh, you can you heal can him of, yeah, because you've... because his turn is before the bad guy's part turn. of the game is like metering the yeah. initiative order that's just yeah. a part like you just accept that everyone knows when everyone's going to go exactly so. But with this, the new round starts, you all roll your initiatives, and you're like, oh, here's the new order. So it makes that, that healing more, uh, what's the word? You, like, you, you, you know that you've got to do it. Yeah. It's more urgent. It's like, you know, sort of before you could be like, well, okay, the party member's down, and the orc is holding his spear over and about to stab him in the chest. But I've, I've, go got, first, I've got yeah. I've got two or three different rounds yet before I could I need to worry about that so I'll do some other stuff first but in this one obviously you don't you don't know you so. just don't know so it's quite interesting um it, it, what it was interesting for me I liked it during that that one-on-one duel yeah which so was extremely deadly for for ye old Galahad yeah uh, Galahad uh, had to had a trial by combat to prove his innocence in the murder of his brother which allegedly he didn't do he didn't. I, mean, I, did, I, I didn't do it. You didn't do it. I know you didn't do it. There's the party no, don't know you didn't do it. There's, there's no justice in it. They this just world. know that you're uh, you're innocent in the eyes of the law because you killed another man. Because it makes sense. That makes sense. It yeah, makes a lot yeah. of sense. Obvi- yeah, Game of Thrones, mate. So you were up against Solo in a pit, a big stadium, surrounded by people. Another uh, champion. Yeah, we'll call him a champion. And he was CR nine. I was level six at the time, so it was a toughie. Yeah, it had to be a toughie. You either had to die or come out of this by the skin of your teeth. And it was. And what was interesting is it. We were using that initiative system, and it came down to the last round. I was on like three HP, mm-hmm. and this guy was averaging like like twenty five to thirty damage a turn. Right? Yeah, he was. He was, he was doing. Up. He had multiple attacks. He had. And he, um, he had this thing where he could like he would hit you with his sword and then sort of bring it round and hit you with like the false edge it did like two sets of damage of each swing and it was yeah. quite it was quite nasty and so I knew I wasn't going to be able to kill him in one turn I, like, unless I crit I was probably not I was pretty low on my I only had like level one smites at that point things yeah, were looking dire smiting every turn and I was like okay well I could lay on hands and get myself like 30 HP mm-hmm. right which would probably get me out of one shot territory but then he'll just hit me again and i'll be in the exact same position next round Mm -hmm. but with this initiative i could lay on hands and attack in the same round it would just take me longer to do it you just have to risk that he might hit you first hit me first and so yeah it was a risk either way but i'm like it was worth it because i was screwed with the the other options anyway anyway i managed to roll low enough i got i got my lay on hands in and i got to uh attack which then then he hit me again didn't kill me and then that last hit finished him off basically it was very 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 close and i think um something i'm i always worry about with doing one-on-one things where the rest of the party just has to kind of sit and watch is that it, it, they get bored very easily there's nothing to do 
especially in this they 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 literally couldn't help you they couldn't do anything because it would just disprove the whole point and you'd be arrested again for like cheating your way out but with the new initiative order it actually put in a sense of excitement and anticipation for what's going to happen and they actually enjoyed watching you work your way through this fight Mm. which lasted probably five or six rounds maybe a bit more yeah something like that it was like half an hour in real time yeah it was a little while because I think I only missed like one of my attacks but I was lucky he missed like maybe one whole round of his as well which Mm. which saved me it was a (laughs) it it was rough going let's put it that way it was uh, pretty nasty um but yeah, that was interesting. I, I like that. I like it in more when there's less characters. Yeah, I think it works a lot better when there's... Like, I think it works as a set piece for a boss battle. Um, and I think that's something I, I still... I keep this in my drawer at home on my bookshelf, ready to, to pull out to use whenever I need it. And it's something that I keep in the back of my mind, now that I know the party knows how to use it, because we did have to test it out and sort of get our heads around it, is that when I want to make... A fight a set piece and I want it to be something special and remembered and I also want it to be something that I don't know how it's going to go and could go either way I'm like right roll initiative except do you remember these rules we're using these this time and it, it just keeps the party on their toes and I think it just it adds an extra layer and if you haven't tried it you really should yeah it's fun I liked it and like I say, when you've got loads of characters on screen, it can become a bit muddled because you've got lots more dice rolls. It just mm. slows things down. But when there's only a few or it's like a boss battle, it's pretty interesting. There, There is a chance for it to break the like the economy in a way that if a character is powerful enough, it doesn't really matter if they go last in the initiative. Yeah. They can sort of abuse it by then doing loads of stuff on their turn, which mm. they wouldn't normally be able to. So there is like a balancing act to it, but it's... Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it mixes things up. It keeps things on your toes, especially if your combat is becoming somewhat repetitive. So there are some extra things to note in the Unearthed Arcana as well. Um, It it talks about how with this change, you have to change certain things. Um, So you still have rounds. Each round, everyone involved has a chance to move and take actions as with standard initiative, uh, but the durations and effects are measured in rounds rather than ending on a specific creature's turn. So if you've got a spell or an effect that ends on your turn, it now ends at the end of a round, mm-hmm. um, just to keep... Because if, if you cast it one turn and then your turn is the first next, yeah, they would, it, would, they, it would end and it would be useless. So you now do the whole round. Um, of course, it's variable turn order, so everyone's order changes each round. Um, we've talked about the initiative dice. The initiative count is the lower, low to high. Low is better, high is bad. Um, and then you have order of operations. So you have to you have to break it down a little bit. Um, I'm just going to read this. It's hard to say in my own words. Rules make it more likely for certain actions to take place earlier in a round and for other actions to take place later. Missile fire usually occurs first, melee attacks next, and spell casting last, as dictated by the, the size of the die you roll. So four, six... 10 respectively um this is just an overall pattern though not an ironclad rule as with standard initiative system the luck of the dice always determines exactly what end combatants act so you still got the chance to say i want to move shoot and hit millie i want to move shoot my arrow and stab someone um roll the dice and then decide which order you do that and move last or move first but it's just more likely but it's more likely based on the size to, of the die that to run people in that order. shooting will go first yeah so that's kind of something you have to you have to 
home rule a bit i think i think i still allow i still allowed for you to to dictate when you did what you wanted to do you just had to roll the dice for the things you wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense and then obviously bonus actions are different um if you want to use a bonus action, you roll an additional die that corresponds with the type of action that you plan to take on your bonus action. And that's added to your initiative. So if you're using bonus action to dash, mm-hmm. your bonus action die would be a movement die, which is a d6. If you're using a bonus action to drink a potion, um, that's a d6. If it's bonus action to throw something, maybe that's a ranged attack, that's a d4. So bonus actions now add to your initiative, which um, just... It's, it's difficult to explain, I think, without actually doing it, because you were talking about economy of actions, um, and I think everyone thinks of a bonus action as like a free action. It's like, oh, it's just an extra thing I can do. But now it actually yeah. adds into the economy. Yeah, it costs economy. a l- little bit. Economy. So bonus actions become slightly weaker in this initiative because they're sort of less free. Yeah. You know. I believe that multiple attacks still happen with the attack action. So you roll your d8 to do a melee attack, and that counts for all of your attacks. Um, you can delay, but you can't ready an action under these rules. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the readied action rule. I'll be honest, it just confuses me all the time. Well, the readied action is interesting because, sort of side note on that, I home rule in my games that, well, by the rules as written, if you ready an action, you can do one single action, which means if you have multi-attack you and you ready an attack, you just get one single attack. Mm. I don't like that because it massively decentivizes setting up like certain things. Like if you're like shooting some guys down a hallway and then you like, okay, well, I'm just going to hide behind the wall and ready my action until they come to me. Players are less likely to do fun stuff like that if it's if they only get one attack. Yeah. Especially like if you if you're like a rogue, it doesn't matter. Like it's it's great for rogues because they they only have one attack anyway. See, that's why I like this rule. So this rule is something that it's kind of like that. So rather than readying, you delay. So you say, right, I'm going to take my turn, and on my turn, I'm going to move, shoot, and and hide. So I'll roll these dice, and then you come out at the top of the order and you say well I don't want to go first I'm going to delay my turn to go after XYZ delaying turns interesting yeah and in my games I just home rule that you get full actions on a held action but so do the enemies Mm -hmm. right Um, and so it I, I find players then hold their actions a little bit more if they know they're going to get it's mainly with attacks like if they know they're going to get all their attacks then they uh that, you know they're, they're more likely to do that and I think it just gives people more options because it kind of I don't like the feel I don't know why I just don't like the feeling if say the enemy's 40 feet away mm-hmm. and in that case it's actually better to go second in the initiative because if you go first you run 30 feet you can't attack if you go second they're 10 feet away from you you can move forward and get all your attacks mm. so if you home rule that you get all your attacks on a held action either way it doesn't matter because mm. you're, you're getting you just to do all your attacks when they come into your your range because otherwise it, it's then like have this weird situation where it's better to actually roll poorly on initiative and i i don't know i don't, I don't like stuff like that there were like there's no like official like delaying your turn in 5e they were in like older editions yeah um yeah, so I just like I like 
personally to have that ready to action you can do you know whatever you want on your turn as long as you state to me as a dm before this is what this is the trigger for what i'm going to yeah to do and yeah like this initiative system sort of rectifies that it just makes that a non-issue basically with There's this an system extra one in here as well that i really like as a character in your game who plays with swords and a bow i often find that for example in the rules as written if i wanted to if i had my swords out at the start of my turn and i wanted to put them away and then pull my bow out i wouldn't also be able to shoot my bow no, you'd get like a free action to put them away, and then you'd have use to your action to pull the bow out. Pull the bow out. So what I'd have to do is drop my swords, pull the bow out, and fire. Which is how I play it, and it's quite cool because then you're like, oh crap, where are my swords? And <laughs> like, it, they're lo- over and there it on looks the cool as well. It looks cool. Yeah, I, it reminds me of like Neo in that like, uh, like the, lo- the, the lobby scene. The lobby. Yeah, where he yeah. drops the guns and pulls out the nukes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, that's how I play that at the moment. Whereas in these rules, you have a swapping gear action so if you want to sheave or drop a weapon or drop a weapon so this counts for dropping as well which kind of i think balances it you roll an additional d6 for your initiative um, and then you can decide to swap your gear at any point during your turn that should be added as well sorry side note you don't have to do the things you've rolled the dice for so you're rolling the dice to have the option to do Obviously, things. You don't have to, yeah. If, yeah. if circumstances so if, change. If I say I want to cast a spell and melee attack and I roll the dice and then decide I don't want to melee attack, I just want to cast a spell, that's fine. My initiative order still encompasses that number in case I change my mind, but I don't have to do it. Also, side note. Yeah. I really dislike... It's a cool... I mean, mechanically it's good, but I really dislike the crossbow expert feat, which removes the loading property from crossbows. Okay, why? Because now it's pointless. Before, when you had to like use an action to load a crossbow, yeah, you would have awesome character concepts where the guy just has like 15 preloaded hand crossbows, so you just fire one, drop it, pick up the next one, fire that yeah. one, drop it, pick up the next one. <laughs> you don't need to do that anymore. It's just... It's, yeah. I mean, I would still do it anyway because it's. I just play it that awesome. I use my I use my crossbow once during combat and then after I reload it. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't have time to. Yeah, it's, all, it's awesome. You just pull it out, you shoot it once, you drop it. But I love the I love the idea of a character where he's got like wrist mounted crossbows, crossbows and yeah. he's got hand crossbows and he's got he's got like a sort of diehard style like a crossbow like taped to his back that he pulls <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, back on track with this swapping gear. Basically, it means that you can decide if you're in the circumstance where I'm I'm for me where I'm playing. I'm like right. I'm probably gonna want to put my swords away and then shoot my bow. I can say, right, I'm going to add an extra D6 to my initiative so that I have the option to do that, which is nice. It gives you the ability to do it if you want to. There are different tactics at play with this initiative system. There's a few different things you can think about to to get ahead. Mm. Initiative, in the, obviously, in standard, is a bit more... is like a passive system. It's just a way of determining who goes when. Yeah. Um, and in this in this system, it's... Uh, it's more of an active part of your turn you know you've got to think about it before you roll and decide what you're going to want to do so it just adds another layer which like i said is i think not great for massive encounters because it slows things down but in smaller encounters it can spice things up a little bit as well which i think is fun yeah the last three pages of this document are or i should say the last two and a bit are examples that talk you through a combat scenario where someone uses this initiative order and it's really helpful um to get your head around it uh, there are a couple extra things there's just a couple of special rules noted so um initiative bonuses or penalties 
So the, like obviously this doesn't use your dexterity for initiative rolls. You don't you don't just add that on. You just ignore that. Um, but other effects can alter your initiative. So if you are granted a bonus to your initiative roll under the standard system, like maybe if you're a ranger or if you've got something, maybe you've got advantage, I don't know, um, you instead reduce the size of one die that you roll. So instead of rolling 2d20s and taking the bigger number, now if you've got a d6 that you're rolling to move, you can make it a d4 instead. Mm. Or a d4 you can make a d3, which I hate the concept of, I always have, and so on. (laughs) So you can you can just take one of your dice. So say you wanted to cast a spell, and you've got an issue, you've got like a, a a bonus or or something or granted something on you. You can take that d10 down to a d8, mm. which is a really interesting idea. Yeah, that's fun. And then the other thing is that I love m- mechanical stuff like that. The, just reducing dice. Yeah, and stuff. I, I like it when it it plays with just how the dice work in a in a different way. I think it's quite fun. Mm. And then advantage or disadvantage. Um, is used differently so if an effect would grant disadvantage or advantage on your initiative roll under the standard system you apply that to the largest initiative die that you roll or to one of those initiative dice if you roll more than one of the same type so the highest number die you roll is the one you put advantage or disadvantage on so if you're only going to throw something and make a ranged attack you roll two d4s take the higher or lower if you're gonna do a ranged attack and cast a spell you do it on the two d10s rather than two d4s I wonder if this so does this system take into account like the alert fee where you just get like a, pl- a flat plus five to initiative or or like the um, that's interesting or question. like the war mage that gets his int added to initiative and stuff like that that is interesting do you just not get those I abilities? guess so yeah uh, I think that would come under the initiative bonus or penalties so that would be the idea of uh, reducing a die instead yeah that would make sense I, that's what I would do because yeah. so, so for example Orlo my wizard um, that I play at the moment has a plus seven to initiative, which is crazy. It's great. I love it. He's a war mage, but would that tra- does that translate well into well, what this would, system? What would be cool is in this system you could get quite powerful with it if you had like alert and you had like the war mage thing. So let's just say you could reduce your die like twice. Mm. That's how I'd rule it if I was DMing it. Yeah, and then so you'd be you'd be going first like all the time time. and you could do a lot of stuff which is kind of the point of the war mage as well yeah yeah i could dominate because i could just be like right i'm gonna cast a spell i'm gonna move i'm gonna hit someone i'm gonna shoot my crossbow (laughs) yeah yeah the system and i've got all of these bonuses like yeah the system is kind of not finished it's sort of broken a little bit in places but but i love it i love that it's like that (laughs) yeah it's a fun um yeah it's a fun way of doing things and 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 deciding how how things go in combat i like it i'm thinking i'm just thinking about um, there are a couple of variants in here. There's a variant for weapon speed, and like if you're melee attack, it shouldn't be a D8. Maybe make it a D4 and and, and sort of home rolling stuff. Yeah, for like um, smaller weapons and stuff. I'm thinking about spells and stuff because the rules still say that you can only cast one spell on your turn, don't they? So I couldn't say I'm gonna I want to cast two spells and roll two D10s, or could I? Uh. I don't know. It's common for characters to roll multiple dice for initiative if you want to move toward a foe and make a melee attack. You roll together. Yeah, it doesn't... doesn't. Oh, multiple action. If an effect grants you an additional action without the use of a bonus action, you roll initiative die for only one, so that's like your standard multi-attack. Uh, reactions and forced activities, delaying, something. Yeah, it doesn't say. 
that's quite an interesting I thought. Guess, I guess you couldn't then still maybe. I guess, unless, you know, obviously yeah. you're doing like a bonus action and then like a cantrip, you would just roll, you know. Your 1d10, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Would you roll the 1d10 for both or would you roll 2d10? For what? For your, for your bonus action? Yeah, if you're doing like uh, a bonus action spell and a cantrip. Your bonus action would be... Uh, if you want to use a bonus action, you roll an additional that corresponds to the type of action you plan to take. Yeah, I guess it I guess would it'd be another two, d10. Yeah, yeah two d10. Because it's because it's a cantrip. It's still a spell, isn't it? Mm. Unless you say, well, firebolt is a ranged spell, so could it be a d4? So I don't. I saw a really cool build the other day, which would be hype as hell. I, what for this? I was like, well for anything really right okay. I, I just want to talk about <laughs> this it just come out of nowhere. I, I just oh, okay. I, I was just thinking about this on, I, I didn't I didn't realise the synergy between a sorcerer which I hate I don't like sorcerers yeah, but they're good good for multi-class and warlock because you take quick and spell as a sorcerer right mm. then you play a warlock mm. now normally quick and spell is like Overrated because people are like, oh, cast two spells in a turn. It's like, yeah, but you can only do one spell on a cantrip, it's not that great. Yeah, but the Warlock's cantrip is awesome in Eldritch Blast. So you power up your Eldritch Blast for your invocations and stuff, yeah? Yeah, then because it only costs one sorcery point to quicken a cantrip, you just quicken Eldritch Blast every turn, cast it twice. So now you say you're like level, say you're like level 18, yeah, you're getting. Eight attacks a turn. You're essentially action surging every turn, and at like level eighteen, you have loads of sorcery points. It's yeah. amazing. Get some braces of illusion on there. Don't You're attacking you... eight times a turn, Ben. But don't you have to? Which what what's going to be your main class? Sorcerer or warlock? I would build it probably as like I don't know at that high level. I would do like five. The stuff I'd do like five sorcerer, two warlock. Because don't you only get your invocations when you level up in Warlock, not overall? Yeah, but you don't need that many. To, the only ones you'd want, really, I think, would be... Agicariz. Would be Agicarisma and, like, Repelling Blast, probably. Mm. Mm. Get this, okay. So you have Braces of Illusion, which let you cast a cantrip twice when you cast a cantrip, right? Yeah. Then you quicken it. Yeah. So then you'll cast... It's never going to happen again. A level 18, yeah. you are casting <laughs> 16 Eldritch Blasts, Ben. That, and you can knock them You can knock them back 160 <laughs> feet, Ben. You can knock the dragon back 160... You can kite a dragon, Ben. Well... How fast does a dragon move? What, like 80 feet? A turn? You're knocking him back 160 feet a turn, Ben. He's not getting to you. <laughs> What's his breath weapon, weapon range? 60 feet? He still can't get you, Ben. I don't like this. It's unbeatable. I don't like to this. be fair, I mean, you'd have to be a mentalist to give a Braces of Illusion to a Warlock. I will never do that. Just never. I saw that when it... But what if you give them to a party member and they give them to the Warlock? <laughs> it came out in Ravnica. Like, I saw that thing and I was yeah. like, this is going to be on, like, every... Remind si- me what they do. They just any cantrip you cast, the effects are doubled. Like so, if if you cast a um, like, why are they braces of illusion? I don't know why they're called that. I don't know if the second one is like an illusionary cantrip. But it still does damage. So it's but it's with Eldritch Blast. If you have two blasts, you now have four. Yeah. If you have four blasts, you now have eight. Yeah. It's just like it's going to be on every Warlock's Christmas list to come forever. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, I, I'm never, never giving this to a Warlock. But I just thought I'd bring it up because it's, uh, if you want to use it in your game, then... Uh, Fair yeah. enough. And you should use this initiative order on your, 
if your DM is foolish enough, your if your DM is foolish enough to be like, you know, one of them DMs that like you go into a wizard shop or whatever, and he's like, oh, just we've both done that. Just pick the op- the item you want out of like, you know, the, the DMG, the DMG, the and I'll, I'll just give you a price for it, and you just you just slip it in there. <laughs> just, yeah, and they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know what they've done. <laughs> Mm, don't do that. Don't be that person. Because <laughs> that, that could have happened to me very easily. I know. Yeah, well, I've warned you now. I've warned you. Now so if you if you, you see a warlock come knocking for it, you can tell them to do one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Stop. Um, cool. Okay. Don't allow your warlocks to use bracelet braces of illusion. illusion. I think and, that's what they're called, yeah. Uh, download the free Unearthed Arcana for the Greyhawk Initiative and give it a go when you want a set-piece battle. It's a bit confusing to get your head around. But basically, you roll a dice for every action you want to take, and the lowest number goes first. And if you surprise someone, you get plus 10 to initiative. Mm. Amazing. I think it's really cool. I think it's... um, I think I will definitely use it for some big, bad, evil battles in the future. Be fun. Cool. All right. Um, That was a good one to come back on. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It felt a bit convoluted at first but we got there I mean does it ever not feel convoluted I don't know you ask our seven listeners <laughs> in Malaysia <laughs> oh well they don't even speak English they just like the sound of our voice yeah it's soothing yeah, they go maybe. to sleep alright let's let's leave it there bye 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 Thanks for listening to us today. If you like the podcast, then do us a favour. Give us a review or a like on iTunes and Anchor. And share us with your friends. You can find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at WeSpeakCommon. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution licence CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. 